0: This is producer Michael Miracle. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. Be sure to check out our website at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com for all of our past shows and podcasts, plus Jim's blogs, reading recommendations, and tons of great I Work For Him resources. All available at iworkforhim.com. And now, today's broadcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian Talk Radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in. To I work for him today. As we're listening, as you may be listening to us live on the radio all over Tampa Bay, maybe you're listening to us on the internet on Red Nation Rising or iTunes or let's talk Faith.com. Maybe you're listening to us as a pre-recorded or re-recorded rebroadcast. That's what I'm trying to say. Our podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, or iTunes, however you are listening to us today. Just know that we prayed for you, and we prayed for us, really, as we all are trying to figure out this whole connection between our faith and our work, and really connection between our faith and everything we do. Know that we pray that something we say today will cause you to dig deeper into your faith. And it's so important. As I spent, I got to spend some quiet time today writing and reading, and and it's the Lord just wants, he wants us. He wants the depth of our relationship. He wants us to go deep with him, but it it, it takes diligence and, and listen to this show is going to prompt you to think some things, but you're still going to need quiet time because you can't possibly hear the voice of God when I'm just babbling on in your head, but I'm grateful to be used. However, I am being used. All right. So here's a question. If we're going to be a transformational leader in our workplace, one thing we have to learn how to do is apologize, sincerely apologize. Now, why do you say that, Jim? Why do we got to apologize? Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what does an apology look like, sound like? Why is learning to apologize such a key to being a transformational leader? Today, we welcome Ford Taylor with transformational leadership as we talk about the six step apology. Ford Taylor, welcome back to I Work for Him. Hey, Ford, can you hear me now? I can now. That's awesome. All right, Fort Taylor, welcome back to IWork for him, my friend.
1: Hi, Jim. Thank you. It's always good to be with you.
0: All right, so we're talking today about the six step apology, but I I wanna just I wanna talk about this. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a little bit of a baited question here. You know, we live in a world full of hurt, world full of pain, a world full of suffering and noisy headsets and death. You know, in the last couple of years, you've experienced almost all of these things, a world full of hurt, pain, suffering. How can a loving God allow his followers to suffer as much as you have had to suffer?
1: Well, you know, part of it is because he is a loving God. Uh, You know, Jim, so often we read the Bible and we, we, we stop when the next word is a for or an and or a thus or a then. And so often those answers come after that. And and I hear people, uh, I've heard preachers say, hey, we'll know all these answers later. I think we have the answer now. You know, God tells us to praise Him in all things, which didn't used to make sense to me. I'm supposed to praise you in the Lyme disease, which I knew by then. I'm supposed to praise you when I almost drowned at Hilton Head, all these things that happened. But what I've learned is that there's a reason we're supposed to praise Him in all things. And and it's in Romans 8 where it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, because if you accepted Jesus, it removes the power that sin has over you. And if you keep going, it says, If the Spirit of God lives within you, you're no longer drawn or sucked to your sinful nature. And then it goes on and says, everything God has for Jesus, He has for you. But to experience all that glory, you must also experience His suffering. And then it keeps going. And later it says, you may not even know what to pray for. And then it says, but know that all things work for the good of those who love the Lord God and are called according to His purpose. And then it says, For I knew you in advance, and I chose you to become like my son Jesus so that he would have lots of brothers and sisters. And then it keeps going. But what I figured out, Jim, is that when these things happen to us, it gives us a golden opportunity to make a choice. We can become more like the world, and we can live in resentment and pain and hurt and rejection, or we can choose to become more like Jesus. And so when those things hit us, we it's, God, I praise you in this because it gives me another chance to use this pain to draw closer to you and become more like your son. And so I think that's the purpose, and what happens is the more we become like his son, the more he uses those pains in us to go out and help other people who are living in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and we have to help each other. We need each other, and this is the way he gets us there.
0: Uh, And I I know that the adversity in our lives is brought there to take us from who we are to who we can use, who God can use, to who we are, to who he can use more effectively. Sorry, I was trying to think two things at one time. But it's still tough. It's tough to see a friend go through these kinds of things. You know, my life has been relatively simple compared to yours, relatively painless compared to yours. And so there's, you're like, why does God take some people through deeper pain, deeper trust-growing experiences than others.
1: Well, you know, Jim, I pray every day. Change me any way you want. Wash me clean of every sin. Let me be the answer to someone else's prayer. Uh, you know, let me die before I die. And, and increase my faith. And, and, and if you're going to pray those kinds of prayers, God's probably going to answer them. You know, God, use me any way you want. Well, if He's going to use me any way He wants... There's some preparation for me to be able to be used that way. And and most of us don't want to experience that suffering. Even though he says, everything that I have for my son Jesus, I have for you too. But you must suffer with him to experience his glory. Uh, And most of us don't want to do that.
0: Those are really tough words. Those are really tough words. You know, but let's just, let's look at the positive. As you look back... How do you look more like Jesus today? This is a tough question. This is probably impossible for you to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How do you look more like Jesus today than you did before you started going through all this health, health-related health suffering that happened uh, over a year ago?
1: Well, you know, during that suffering, Jim, there was a time that uh, Sandra, uh, I, I said to her, you know, she said, Honey, does, any, does anything make you feel good? And I said, right now, nothing. Praying doesn't make me feel good. Worshiping music doesn't make me feel good. Reading the Bible. The only thing that makes me feel good right now is eating too much and uh, 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 helping other people. And she said, then let's ignore the doctors and let's start setting up an appointment one or two a day where you can just at least feel good during those couple of hours and go help other people if that's the only time you feel good. And then, of course, the next day I had to share with her that I had fallen to pornography a couple of weeks earlier when I was out of town and that that made me feel good, too. And, and I said, you know, I pray every day, God, let me be the man that you've made me to be and, and the man that you are making me become. Let me be that man no matter what comes at me. And I just cried and told her, you know, I'm not that man. I ask God no matter what comes, let me be that man. And what I find, Jim, is that as we go through these experiences— the more that we're willing to remember the power of sin is gone, and the only place that sin has power is in the dark. And the more and more we become like Jesus, the more vulnerable we'll be, the more transparent we'll be, the more humility we'll walk in, and and I'm not there yet. I'm not Moses, I'm not Jesus. I mean, they've not asked me to hang on the cross nor spend 40 years in the desert knowing that I'm not going to get to go in and experience the Promised Land. And so those are the only two people that were called meek or humble in the Bible. But the more we become like Jesus, the more we look at other people through His eyes. The more that, we're, that we see other people through unconditional love, unconditional forgiveness, we see what they can become, not what they are right now. And and the more I've gone through, the more and more God's given me the ability, I believe, to see people the way he sees them, which makes, you know, the judgment goes away, which now allows us to make disciples. So for me, I believe that's the outcome.
0: And that is the most powerful thing that I've seen in my own life. So I echo that just like when you start to get the opportunity to see people the way God sees them, uh, it is well, sometimes it's scary. And sometimes it makes you giggle and, and other times it brings it builds up huge compassion inside of you for those people that at one point in time may have been enemies or people that frustrated you. But I'm I'm thrilled that you're able to see even a little light today, a year later from when things really got bad, that that you're able to see how God has already used that in your life. That's not a lot of people get to do
1: that. Well, Jim, you know, even the Lyme disease, you know, I got asked a question in Ethiopia when we were doing our training over there, and on the second morning, uh, one, I was training a bunch of denominational leaders and their teams, and one of them asked a question from the day before. He said, you know, you said we have some blind spots, and if we could see the blind spots that we do something about it, could you answer that? And I said yes, and so later I came back and well, answered, I'm and I'd, gonna, I'd like I'm to gonna... do that with you today.
0: Alright, I'm gonna stop you right there because we got all kinds of blind spots in our lives. We'll hear more from Ford Taylor on blind spots and apologies. The six-step apology that will help you and I to become a transformational leader. You're listening to iWork for him with your host Jim Brangenberg. Make sure you check out Transformational Leadership, TL on demand.com. You know, at the first segment, I I I asked Ford Taylor some really tough questions Ford Taylor from transformational leadership. I asked him about suffering because so many of us as Christ followers have a misunderstanding as to the role of suffering in our lives. We think that if we're suffering that that we're, you know, quite possibly out of God's will, that we're, that we've probably done something wrong, but that is a complete misunderstanding of the role of suffering. According to a biblical account that God uses suffering to shape our character. And, and in your case, Ford, there is, I mean, a lot of times when people are going through extreme suffering, God is is preparing them for something great, but He wants to make sure that He's got them all in and dedicated, and none, that it's nothing about you; that it's all about Him.
1: Yeah, and, and Jim, it's like I was sharing. So I'm in I'm in Ethiopia. That literally, the week I got diagnosed with Lyme, I went on to Ethiopia, because I'd made a commitment. And on the second day of training, I said, is there anything you want to talk about from the day before? And one of the denominational leaders raised his hand. He said, hey, yesterday you talked about that you believe that we as pastors had some blind spot." And if we could see those blind spots, we would do something about them, and that's why they're called blind spots. Could you explain that? And I said, yes. And I said, I've been recently diagnosed with Lyme disease. It's not a bacteria, a fungus, a parasite. It's a spirochete. It's shaped like a corkscrew, and it screws inside the red blood cells. And so for months and months, I've been sick, and they've been saying, you got cancer, no, you got heart problems, no, and and they couldn't diagnose it because it was inside. They were blind to what it was, and then a specialist went in, and he got the spirochete to poke its head out. And so when he ran the blood test with the spirochete poking its head out, he knew I had Lyme and we could do something about it, and you've got some spirochete in the church, and we've got to get it to poke its head out. He said, give us an example. I said, well, I've gone to church my whole life, and I've heard the message about being transparent and vulnerable and humbling ourselves. And and I've heard that message, but I don't see it very often from the pulpit. I said, how many of you at some point yesterday told me you appreciated me being transparent and vulnerable about sharing my story? And one of them was around... Just, you know, that, that pornography just within the last couple of weeks. And, and I said, how many of you said something? And a bunch of them raised their hand. And I said, how is it that we have a bigger p- uh, class size today? How come you brought more people back today than yesterday? How many people leave your 8 o'clock service and bring them back at 11 with more people? I said, see, the difference in you and me is people look at me and go, look at that Yahoo, Look at the way he messes up. That grace of Jesus must be real. But when you get up and talk about it, you talk about the first time you've experienced, but you don't talk about the fight you had with your wife this morning. You don't talk about the financial struggles, how you mess up with your kids. And consequently, we know about grace, but we don't see experiencing it. And, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop. At the end of the training, the guy that brought us there stood up and said, let's give Forrest some feedback. And there was a lot of feedback. But, but one guy stood up, and he, and he was the leader of one of the denominations. And he said, hey, that thing that you said this morning about blind spots and vulnerability and transparency, he said, I, I believe you're right. He said, I've got some spiral spirochetes in me. He said, and I want, I'm going to share for the first time in my life today, since I've been a, a pastor of a large church, I'm telling you in front of all these other leaders, my story's the same as yours. I cheated on my wife, and this Sunday morning, I'm going to tell my church that story so they can see that I've experienced the grace of Jesus. And as soon as he finished, the next guy stood up and said, my story's the same as yours, too. Then the next guy, my story's the same. The next guy, my story's not exactly the same, but it's just as bad. And the leader of the evangelical groups of Ethiopia stood up and said, men, women, if we all went and did this Sunday morning, we could start a revival in our country that could not be stopped. And so God Amen. used the pain of a spiral spirochete inside of a blood cell to get a message clear that I've been trying to say for years, but for some reason when they heard the spiral spirochete story, they heard it and immediately started confessing that they had those, because it poked its head out. So God can use it all, Jim, it doesn't matter what it is. If we, if we really believe His Word says, let me use it all.
0: It does take an incredible level of humility to allow the Lord to use us in ways like that. We're talking today with Ford Taylor from Transformational Leadership. I would encourage you to check out TL On Demand, TL On Demand. And I encourage you to go through the Transformational Leadership training at TL On Demand. There's a promo code that'll help you get a discount I-W-4-H-50, I-W-4-H-50. You can always email if you can't remember that. But it's it's something I'm going through. I totally recommend that you go through it the same. And, Ford, I want to take that 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 whole transparency thing and, and work on and kind of go to this lesson you teach on the six-step apology. Because what I see so much in church and outside of church is that we have a hard time forgiving. We also have a hard time... Apologizing, We have a hard time admitting when we're wrong, humbling ourselves to that point. But it's that what I have seen as a manager in my own business many times and as a leader in small groups and leader in a church, my ability to apologize and recognize when I've just screwed up and ask people's forgiveness and, and, and know that it's just something I have to do because if I don't, I'm going to go crazy not admitting it. That's one of the most powerful gifts I've been given, is the ability to ask people's forgiveness. But so often, we we really struggle with this whole apology thing. Why is it that it is such a, a difficult deal for almost everybody?
1: Well, Jim, the, the, as you and I both have talked about, we have a leadership crisis in our country. And it's at home with our kids, it's with our spouses, it's, from the, it's in the church, it's in the government, it's in the classroom. And that crisis is based on that we've we found our, ourselves in a place as leaders that we, we've started worrying or thinking more, caring more about how people view us or see us or what they think about us than we do about those that follow us. And because of that, we we kind of stay in that place, and I call it pride, that once we do something, we have to defend it and make it right, even though deep down we know it's wrong. And because of that, we're going to continue this crisis until we can find a way to humble ourselves and admit when we make mistakes. Let's let's use for an example today, let's say I make a mistake on your radio show and I don't even know I make it. And let's say you get a thousand calls saying, I can't believe you let that Ford Taylor guy do what he did on your show. Now, if you loved me and really loved me, you're going to call me and and you're going to call me with humility, uh, with with grace, with love. And you're going to say, Ford, I think something happened that, that you might not be aware of. And I might be wrong. Could I share something with you? And if you approach me that way, because you're approaching me in humility, and you're saying you might be wrong, but I care about you. I care about your relationship with me. I care about how you're coming across to the audience. Can I share something? And then if you share the truth, and I go, wow, Jim, man, I had no clue I did that. Man, but you know what? I did do that. I said that. That's step number one. I admit that I did it. Step number two, Jim, I was wrong. Step number three, I am sorry. Or if you were racing a home that you were told you're a sorry little son of a gun, then just use the word I apologize. And then step number four is will you or when you can, will you forgive me? And in this case, I would ask you, Jim, could I come back on your show just one more time? You may never want to have me on again, but would you let me come one more time and apologize to your audience for what I did? And then number, number five is, Jim, I give you permission forever On your radio show, on somebody else's show, seeing me do a live TL, just being with our wives together at dinner. I give you permission to hold me accountable to not behave that way again. And then the sixth step, that was number five, is, Jim, is there anything else that I owe you an apology for? And I'm going to go silent. I'm going to let you think about it. Just in case maybe there's something you hadn't even thought about where you have the opportunity to say, Yes, and, and hopefully in that process you would say, I forgive you, but if you don't, I, I've done all I can do. And hopefully even if you can't that day, one day you will.
0: Why is it so important that we have a plan to deal with conflict? I'm going to go back and we're going to repeat that whole step, those six-step process that you just went through after the bottom of the half hour, because people are going, wait a minute, that was a lot of stuff, and we're going to dig, deep, dig deeper into it. But I think this is... You know, what I see in the body of Christ, actually, what I see everywhere in the world that I have lived so far, is that people avoid conflict at all costs. Yet, I believe conflict is one of the most powerful pieces in building deep relationships. Because if we're going to build a deep relationship with anybody, we have to, we're going to have conflict. We we just are, because we're human. We're going to have conflict. At one point in time or another, you're going to have conflict with somebody. That's, that's Jim's opinion. I don't think there's a scripture to back that up. Although two fools get together, they're going to have conflict. So that's probably scriptural. Why is, con- why is it important that we have a plan on how to deal with conflict instead of avoiding conflict? Let me tell you why I'm asking this question. For four years, Martha and I lived in a small town in Minnesota before we moved down here and i and one day i was having a conversation with somebody about why they wouldn't do business with my insurance agency that i just bought into in that small town they said 50 years ago this bank that you were in they denied my uncle a loan and we stopped doing business with this insurance agency and this bank 50 years ago i'm like what and then they said they said and then somehow we got into the conversation well when i have a conflict with somebody in the town, it's a town of two thousand people. When I see them coming on the sidewalk, I go to the other side of the street and walk down the opposite sidewalk. So they avoided conflict at all costs. Now that that is you know, Minnesota, nice people try to Minnesota, but not very deep. You know they're nice, but there's not very deep people. You can't avoid conflict. Why is it so important as Christ followers that we have a plan for dealing with conflict?
1: Ford? Well, it's like you said, you know, if we're in relationships, I I even call it relationships equal conflict. If we're in relationships, you know, we're going to have conflict. Uh, If you're not having any conflict with anybody, I got news for you. You are the one driving people crazy. (laughs) I mean, if there's nobody driving you crazy, you're the one driving everybody crazy. And so, but if you're in it, and the reason it's important is because those conflicts give us a golden opportunity to actually look like Jesus, they get. Those are the best opportunity that, as those conflicts are resolved, to improve a marriage, to draw closer to our wives, to improve the relationship uh, in, in an organization among a team. I mean, I, I've watched CEOs stand before their whole companies and use the six-step apology for them being the one that caused the conflict, and watch standing ovations and watch how much better their, their staff gets along with each other, and they get along with the boss because they, they took the conflict head-on. They went up and said, I caused the conflict. I am the problem. But the opportunity on the other side is just gold.
0: If we could get leaders like that, transformational leaders across our country that are willing to do that, our country would never be the same. you listen listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Ford Taylor. We're talking with Ford Taylor today for Transformational Leadership. Ford, you've got this this program online called TL On Demand. What is that all about?
1: Well, you know, it, uh, we, we do live events. And, and what we found is that, you know, live events, you can only remember a certain amount of what you learn. And so we developed this process where people can get it either whether they've been to a live event or they can come to a live event and then keep getting it through the interactive online training platform. Uh, We're very excited about it because it's available 24-7 anywhere in the world, anytime they want to get it. They can click on the a tool. They can watch the whole class. Uh, We're very excited about it. And then, Jim, when you get ready to tell your audience, one thing we've not told them before is it's in two parts. And one part is really – Given uh, the biblical principles to the world without bringing up God or Jesus, and the second part is coming back and telling them where those biblical where those principles came from. And so, for your audience, if they do sign up, they should sign up under alumnus T L alumnus because if they sign up under alumnus, they'll get both parts.
0: And the one part is uh, it's called Unchained. No, un. I can't think of it right now.
1: What the missing a, link. So missing one, one, one part transformational leadership, and the second part's the missing link, which really talks about Jesus. And your audience is probably going to want that part, too.
0: Yeah, they are. So go out to tlondemand.com, tlondemand.com. Make sure you enter promo code IW4H50 and get a very significant discount. Uh, you are really trying to raise up a new a new generation, the next generation of transformational leaders and we're talking today about really a transformational leader being someone that's that's ah, vulnerable enough authentic enough to admit when they're wrong and learning how to apologize why why is this so important for taylor as a leader and all of us you say that we're all leaders if we have influence over one person why is it important that we learn to apologize
1: well you know, Jim, most of us that call ourselves believers, Christ followers, uh, Jesus lovers, uh, Christians, you know, we we say one thing and sometimes we act another way. But the more and more that we resemble Jesus, you know, peace, patience, hope, and joy, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, you know, the, the more we walk in meekness and humility, the more people believe us when we say, that we actually are believers and believe in Jesus. And one of the ways to show that humility is to be able to admit when we're wrong. You know, don't give up your need for truth, but give up the need to be right. And I understand that. I don't know many people in the world that, that, that had more of a need to be right than I did. And that was, that was one of the hardest things. You know, people talk about the fact that I cheated on Sandra. You know, that was easy to give up compared to giving up the need to be right. Um, and so what do you, it, Wait, just it, stop for a second there.
0: Stop for a second. What do you mean by the need to be right?
1: Well, for example, the example I used while ago, if I made a mistake on your radio show, I could defend that what I did was right. I could defend that there was nothing wrong with it, that I meant to say that. And I'm going to do a lot of whatever it was, but I'm going to do a lot of damage if I draw a line in the sand and say that I'm right. I mean, how many people have you seen get pulled over by the policeman when they're speeding? And they start defending that either they weren't speeding or that there was nothing wrong with their speeding. Yet they know for a fact their odometer was 80 and they're in a 65 mile an hour zone. So they're defending. They have a need to be right. In other words, they can't just look at the police officer and say, hey, officer, I mean, could I do this? I mean, I still, you know, I still, I don't speed center to you not as much as I used to, but if I get pulled over, I just look at them. I mean, I just, I have, and it's been a long time now, but I said, you know, officer, you're right. I was speeding, I was wrong. I'm so sorry. Thank you for protecting our highways. Will you forgive me for that? And I'm okay with you giving me a ticket, but will you forgive me for driving illegally and putting other people in damage? And you have complete commission to give me that ticket and hold me accountable not to do that anymore. Officer, was there anything else I was doing that you might have noticed that might have put other people's lives in danger? I mean, can you imagine if you had a fish on your car or I love Jesus, and you responded to a police officer that way? They would probably go, whoa, that guy really does believe in Jesus. That's (laughs) why it's important. Or he'd say, if he
0: really believes in Jesus, he would be speeding!
1: Well, come on, man. Give me a break. It doesn't <laughs> say we won't sin. It says we won't be drawn
0: to sin. I'm just okay. thinking. I, 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 I like those lines. All of us that are thinking, I need those lines from Ford Taylor, you'll have to listen to the the uh, rebroadcast of the podcast. You can write them all down. But that would be a great response. Yes, because I live in a world where if you did the speed limit here in Florida on 75 going north or south, you will die. You just will die. People will run over you. They'll push you off the road. You'll end up in the ditch because you can't not Speed, but it doesn't mean it's not wrong because the speed limit says 70. If you're doing 75, you are breaking the law. Okay, so let's go back to this apology thing, the power of the apology. And and really this, you talk about it in the TL on demand about the social covenant. And really that covenant is to, if if we have um, a conflict between us, we're getting a little bit of feedback for just in case you're wondering, I don't know where the feedback is coming from. Uh, but when we look at the social covenant, we look at people offending us or us offending people, it's if we have a conflict with somebody, then to approach that person on the conflict, that's part of it. But when we're wrong, to be able to then go through this apology thing, how? what is the best way for us to identify if we're the ones that are in the wrong, even if somebody hasn't called
1: us out? Well, you know, if it's a blind spot— You won't be able to know that you're wrong until somebody calls you out. That's why the Bible calls. That's why David says you can be deceived in your own heart. That's why the world, you know, psychiatrists call it a blind spot. Somebody's going to have to call it out. But if it's not a blind spot, and you know you're wrong, just admit it. Life is so much easier when you just admit that you're wrong than it is to fight, because when you fight, it causes that conflict. And so this thing that we teach that you called out called a social covenant, we recommend people in their organizations, two or more people, so it could be a family, a spouse, a company, a radio station, that they sit down at a table and they answer this question, how do we want to treat each other? And they just make a list of words, how are we going to treat each other? And then ask a second question. Okay, assuming we could agree on treating each other this way, how would we deal with it if one of us broke that agreement? Because if I agree to treat you a certain way, Jim, and I don't do it, that's called sin, okay? And so how would we deal with it if I sinned, if I broke that agreement? And then we, we teach people to put a process in place to love each other. And I, I, you know, I don't want to use the word call, call them out, but to love each other enough to tell them they got lettuce in their teeth. You know, people walk around with food in their teeth. They can't see the food in their teeth. It's a blind mm. spot. And so, love me enough to say, Ford, you got some pepper in your teeth. But love me enough to say, you know, give me a chance to get it out. Don't just walk away from the bank from something that happened 50 years ago. I mean, give me a chance to get the pepper out of my teeth so we can stay in relationship.
0: Well, and so, we, we
1: teach. Go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I mean, it is amazing. I tell people. When when, when I hired new people or if I go into an organization or go into a, a small group, like listen, I'll know you love me when you're willing to tell me when I'm wrong. I'll know you love me when you're willing to point out that, it, that you disagree with me. Or I know that you love me if you tell me when I hurt you so I have an opportunity to apologize. Because I, I, I said I will be devastated if I find out five years down the road that I hurt you and you never told me and I couldn't apologize for it because that, that is the absolute last thing in the world I want to do. So I know people will lo- that love me if they understand that.
1: That's exactly right. And, and, you, and we can hurt people not even knowing we did it. I mean, it, it, it's completely blind to us. We don't even know we did it. Now, if we know, we ought to go apologize. But, Jim, if, but if we have that in place, how are we going to treat each other and how are we going to approach it? And we know we're going to approach it in advance that we're going to go one-on-one and talk about it. We're not going to go tell other people. We're going to go to the person that did it. And if we already know in advance, if we've agreed that if we can't resolve it between us, we're going to agree on a third, or four, a third party or a person or two to come help us try to resolve it. And if we still can't resolve it, if we agree that there'll be some group of people that will resolve this for us, because it could be that I come to you saying you broke the agreement, and I might be the one that's wrong. The whole team may say, Ford, Jim didn't do anything wrong. Or they may say, Jim, come on, you can't keep behaving that way. If we know in advance, that's the process. Go one-on-one, take somebody or two with you to try to help. And three is take it before a group. And the fourth step is, if I'm wrong, I've got two choices. I can do the six-step apology, or I can leave the group. And see, if we know that in advance then no one's getting kicked out of the group because I chose to leave the group because I said in advance, if I mistreat you and I'm not willing to apologize, then I'm already telling you I'll leave the group. Now, you asked the question earlier, what's the significance of resolving conflict? Well, I just gave you exactly how Jesus said to resolve conflict. What most people don't realize is what he said next. The very next words out of his mouth are, for what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. And so, if you don't walk out this process, instead of loosening, by walking out this process, you're, you're loosening love and grace and forgiveness and truth and humility. If you don't walk it out, you're loosening resentment, rejection, bitterness, hatred. I mean, so there's a spiritual dynamic to resolving conflict that very few people are aware of because, there again, we stop reading the Bible a certain place. Right, when Jesus sure do. Keeps
0: going. We're talking today with Ford Taylor from Transformational Leadership. I would love for you to check out how to become a transformational leader, a Christ-centered transformational leader. Go online to tlondemand.com, tl, transformational leader, tlondemand.com. Make sure you enter the promo code IW4H50. I encourage you to sign up today. This is not something that will just... Uh, This could be your devotion time for the next several weeks. This would be a study where you will learn things about yourself and about others that you've always wanted to know. Uh, It's incredible. Make sure you do that. Hey, we still have the book available today. That means everybody's really dug into the conversation. If you'd like to get a book on forgiveness by Matthew West, call the studio line at 877-943-9673 or you could just email me. Jim and I work for him.com, Jim I work, the number 4 him.com. If it's still available at the end of the show, we will post it on Facebook and they always go very quickly when we put them on Facebook. Ford, one of the things that I know is when people make that choice, they, they've been confronted and or, or or maybe there's been a conflict. And people say, "Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to confront somebody." If they don't confront somebody, typically that but they've been hurt. Typically, that bitterness, that anger starts to build up in them, and they tend to start to gossip. They tend to start to share things with people because of their hurt, and gossip is extraordinarily destructive, isn't it?
1: You know, gossip, you know, when, when I go out and teach in, in the church, you know, I, as you know, I teach in the world and in the church, and of course, the church is us in the world, but there are people that aren't a part of that. Um but, but one of the things I teach them is that if we could learn to stop taking offense and stop gossiping, we could change the world in about 48 hours. Because the truth is, great people talk about vision and ideas. Average people talk about things. Small people talk negatively about other people. Smaller people let them. Even smaller people join them, and even smaller people spread that around. And and what if you're wrong? What if what if you're sharing something and now there's no undoing it? There's too many people know about it. Too much damage has been done. It's crazy. Find out more
0: about what transformation what the transformational leadership training is all about at tlondemand.com, tlondemand.com. Promo code IW4H50. If you want to be the kind of leader that makes an impact, a forever, lifetime kind of impact, you got to be a transformational leader. That's not the kind of leader where you go to, like, Harvard. You're not going to learn this at Harvard. (laughs) You're not going to learn this. I don't know where you're going to learn it, anywhere, but at tlondemand.com. We promised Ford Taylor that we would come back and walk through the six-step apology because as we realized that, hey, you know what? I might have been wrong there. Uh, I need to go back in and apologize, or somebody might come up and say, "Uh, by the way, you were wrong. Uh, You need to go back and apologize. But this six-step apology has some really important steps to it, and we got a few minutes left. Let's hit it.
1: Okay. I'm going to go a little slower this time to be sure. If people want to write down the six steps, they can. But if someone, either if you know you made a mistake or you're wrong on something, or if someone comes to you and points it out to you, step number one, is that you state the offense back to them. Uh, If it's your spouse, yes, honey, I did do that. So number one, state the offense. Number two is use these words, I was wrong. Just say it. it. It's so much easier to say I was wrong than to defend it. And step number three, I am sorry, or I apologize. Learn when you apologize to leave the words I want to out to tell somebody, I would like to apologize to you or I want to apologize, that's a desire to apologize, but it's not a true apology. Just say it. Number four, step number four, is will you or when you can, will you forgive me? So will you or when you can, will you forgive me? Now, the reason I add the when you can is there are people who will play the forgiveness card just to get the conversation over with. They don't really plan on changing their behavior. And so if you're one of those people, ask them, when you can, will you forgive me? If you've not played that card, you probably can just say, will you forgive me or will you forgive me when you can? Let okay. me just stop. Now, I'm
0: going get... to stop. stop it for a second. This conversation is so important because if we act like this, if this truly flows out of our heart in the workplace, our workplaces would be turned upside down for Jesus like overnight because this is this is revolutionary behavior it seems ridiculous if our great grandparents were listening they would go really you got to talk about this on the radio but this is amazing stuff for so i'm just to review what you said listen just state the offense and say you know i was wrong uh admit you were wrong uh, apologize to say i'm sorry ask them to forgive you go ahead
1: okay and then it gets really significant because this is where real behavior starts changing it's step number 5 of it number five is, so whoever, you're, whoever you did this to, I give you permission to hold me accountable not to behave this way anymore. Man, you want to talk about restoring a relationship with a coworker, a boss, employee, a wife, or a child. Give them permission to hold you accountable. Now, you're not, they're not making them accountable to hold you accountable. It's not their responsibility, it's your responsibility, but you're giving them permission. And then step number six, is there anything else? You know, when I've used it for my children, Jim, I've got three daughters, and, and I would say to them, sweetie, if there's anything else, please tell me, because I don't want you to carry any of the mistakes that your dad has made in your life into your marriage. And so if there's anything else, please tell me. And they've gotten to a place where they're now say, dad, there's nothing else I can think of. I said, that's okay. But if there is something please do not walk down that aisle and carry any of my mistakes into your husband. And so that sixth question is also those last two, they will cause us to want to change our behavior.
0: When this happens, have you ever seen this happen in a small group? Have you, have you seen this attitude change in a small group like this where people take this and make this commitment? What's it look like?
1: Well, I mean go to go to our transform lead website you know that's a different website we have and look at the testimonials look at what happens in the companies look at uh, watch these CEOs talk about what happened to the profitability in their company what happened to the turnover rate with their employees and then they'll keep going and talk about what happened in their marriage and what happened with their children because it doesn't because I can tell you if if somebody's happy at home they're a better worker Yes, if they're uh, happy at work, if they're happy at work, they're better at home. And so, you know, we do this where all these tools work across every sphere. You don't have to disconnect them. But go watch those testimonials. Absolutely we see it. And it's amazing to watch what can happen when we walk out these biblical principles and, and really allow God to show up in our organizations.
0: Ford Taylor with Transformational Leadership, thanks for being on iWork Ram today. Thanks for going over that six step apology.
1: Thank you, Jim. It's always an honor and humbling to be with
0: you. All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, make sure you check out tlondemand.com, tlondemand.com, promo code IW4H50. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him.